Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on June 11, 2023. We have been in Luke's Gospel for about a year and a half, and we're getting up to the uh, um, the really kind of heart of the message. And today we get to the trials of Jesus. Last week we saw that he had been arrested. And understand how this went for Jesus. It was crazy, it was complicated, and it was a very fast morning for Jesus. In our world, justice moves at the speed of a glacier. There's an an investigation, there's an indictment, there's an arrest, there's an arraignment, there's multiple court hearings and appearances, there's a trial, and then if found guilty, there's a sentencing, and that whole process, the way we do justice today, can last for years, and if there are appeals, it can last for decades. For Jesus, it was different. He was arrested after dark on a Thursday night. He was tried as soon as the sun came up, and within three hours or so, he was nailed to the cross. By late afternoon, he was dead, and before the sun went down, less than 24 hours after his arrest, he was buried. And today's passage takes us through that time period leading up to the crucifixion, takes us through three very quick trials and then a sentencing. His trial before the Sanhedrin began at dawn. Jews didn't allow official court proceedings until the sun was up. So as soon as the sun was up, they tried him. They found him guilty. This was the Jewish Sanhedrin. But the Jews didn't have execution authority. So they took him immediately to Governor Pilate. Pilate declared him not guilty, but sent him then to Herod because Herod had jurisdiction over Galilee, and Jesus was from Galilee. Herod sent him back to Pilate, who caved to the pressure of the Jews and allowed Jesus to be crucified. I want you to understand the reality. He was innocent. The Jews wanted him dead for doctrinal reasons. The Romans killed him essentially to keep the peace. We don't want to fight with the Jews. But he really died for my sins, your sins, and the sins of every Jesus follower who ever lived. In that regard, he was guilty because he was taking our sins on his back. Our passage today is in Luke 22 and 23, kind of bridges the gap between the two chapters And it tells the story of all three trials and then the sentencing. So so pay attention because we are really getting to the heart of the gospel of Luke and what it's all about. Let's stand together as we read. Luke 22, beginning with verse 66. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together, and Jesus was led before them. 
If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. And they all asked, are you then the Son of God? And he replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, He hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. You may be seated. As you can tell from the passage, it was a complicated morning, and I really do want you to understand it. As soon as this passage is over, Jesus was ushered out to Calvary, a place called the Skull, and there he was crucified. There was no waiting, there was no appeal, there was no delay. And with two other men who had already been arrested and sentenced, Jesus was crucified. Now we'll talk much more about the crucifixion next week when we get to that passage. But for now, I want to make sure that you understand the trials and what happened. 
It's a very complicated morning, so I kind of want to break it down and talk you to, through the, the first trial, the second trial, the third trial, and the sentencing, so you understand what happened once Jesus was arrested. The first trial was before the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. They had actually questioned Jesus most of the night, but they couldn't officially meet until the sun came up. And so as soon as the sun was up, they convened officially and they charged him with blasphemy. They accused Jesus of claiming to be the Messiah and even the Son of God. And the evidence that they used, as you saw when we read, was Jesus' own words. They asked him, are you the Messiah? If so, tell us. Now, I want you to understand, they'd already made up their mind. They were not seeking evidence. They just wanted to hear it from Jesus. They had already rejected him. They were just looking for proof. And so he gave it. He said, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. From now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. And so the evidence was Jesus' own words. And the defense was just simply truth. I mean, there could be no other real defense. Jesus did claim in his own words the title, the Son of Man, which was an Old Testament title for the Messiah in the book of Daniel. Yes, I am claiming to be the Son of Man. He furthermore claimed that he would be sitting at the right hand of God. Yes, I am claiming to be the Son of God. And so either it's true or it's blasphemy. If I were to claim to be God, it's blasphemy. When Jesus claimed to be God, it was true. But they weren't seeking the truth. They were simply railroading Jesus. And so their verdict was immediate. Death. We want this man killed. We want this man crucified today. But the Jews didn't have the authority to do that. That was held by the Romans. And so the result was they took him immediately to Pilate. Their council of 70 men, all of them, rose and took him to Governor Pilate. And that was trial number one. He's guilty, Pilate. We want you to kill him. So now let's go to trial number two. When they took him before Pilate, they changed their tune a little bit. Pilate wasn't overly religious. He would have no interest in being the judge over a trial of blasphemy. That was a doctrinal thing. That was a Jewish thing. He could care less about that. So they brought a different charge when they brought him to Pilate, and they put Jesus on trial for treason. They said Jesus was, quote, subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Messiah, a king. Now, I want you to understand that here the evidence was both lies and truth. They were mixing a little bit of truth with a lot of untruth. 
Jesus did claim to be the Messiah and a king. He did not in any way subvert the nation, nor did he oppose paying taxes to the Romans. As a matter of fact, he taught that people should pay taxes. But I want you to understand something because this comes up in life a lot. Any mixture of truth and untruth is a lie. There's really no such thing as partial truth. And that is what the Jews were doing here. If I were to have a glass of clean water and a glass of dirty water here and mix the two together, would you drink it? No. No, because clean and dirty when mixed is dirty. Lies and truth when mixed is a lie. And so they were using both lies and truth. And on this one, Jesus really needed no defense. Pilate was intelligent enough to see there's no treason here. He is not subverting our nation. The type of kingship that Jesus is claiming is no threat to Rome. And so Pilate gave his verdict. This man is not guilty. I find no basis for a charge against this man. The Jews argued and appealed and mentioned as part of that that Jesus had begin, begun his teaching in Galilee. And so sensing a reason to get this very delicate matter out of his courtroom, one of multiple times that day in which he washed his hands of it, he said, oh, he's a Galilean? Well, then he should go to Herod. Herod has jurisdiction there. And so that's what happened at the second trial. He was referred to Herod. So the first trial was Jesus before the Jews. The second was Jesus before Governor Pilate. And then that leads us to the third trial, which is the trial before Herod. And really, Herod at first was pleased. Hey, I've wanted to hear Jesus for a long time. I mean, this man has been in Galilee, and we've never really crossed paths. And really what it said, I'm hoping he'll do a miracle right in my courtroom. I want to see a sign. I just want to see something incredible. I don't care about guilt or innocence or, or anything else. Jesus, just perform for me. And Jesus did not do that, nor did he answer any questions. And so finally, frustrated Herod just sent him back after ridiculing him and making fun of him and putting a kingly robe on him. You claim to be the king? Fine. And he sent him back to Pilate. And it was up to Pilate, who had tried to wash his hands of this matter, to sentence Jesus. Shouldn't have been necessary. I mean, think of our justice system. Once you are declared not guilty, there is no sentencing phase. You are immediately released. And Pilate had already decided that he was not guilty. But Pilate was walking a fine line. He looked at Jesus and he saw no guilt. 
and he wanted to do right by Jesus. But he also looked at the angry Jews and he realized that as governor, it's my job to keep the peace. So if I just release Jesus, which is the right thing to do, I got a bunch of angry people here who may go into riot mode. And so he passed sentence the first time. He said, I will punish him and release him. Probably we know from the other gospels that means I'll whip him and then I will release him. And you can see the compromise there. He's not guilty, but I'm still going to punish him. And then I will release him. Compromise when it comes to absolute convictions rarely, if ever, works. But that was Pilate trying to do. I'm going to punish him to satisfy the Jews so you guys will be happy. And then I'm going to release him to satisfy myself because I don't think this man is guilty. The Jews howled their disagreement. We want him crucified. And instead of releasing Jesus, you should release Barabbas, who was kind of a Jewish folk hero because he had committed murder and insurrection against the Romans. So release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. The second time, Pilate gave a sentence. And again, he said, no, this man has done nothing. I will punish him and release him. And the Jews howled even louder. And now probably already prearranged. They had a crowd of people outside yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then Pilate caved. And he finally approved. He went against his own beliefs. He went against his own convictions. He violated his own morality that says innocent people should be released. And he essentially said, fine. You want to crucify him? crucify him and so understand what happened here there was a trial the Jews found him guilty there was another trial Pilate found him not guilty there was a third trial under Herod not guilty but I'll make fun of him then there was a sentencing release him it stated again release him and then finally, the horrible compromise. He's not guilty, but crucify him. Now, I want you to understand, on one hand, this was the biggest travesty of justice in human history. Because this was not just an innocent man, but a perfect man. But when you factor in the reality that Jesus was dying for my sin and your sin and the sins of every believer who had ever lived, then that changes our understanding of what happened here. It wasn't just a travesty of justice. It was the greatest act of love in human history. I'm personally innocent. 
but I'm taking your sin and 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 my sin, and I'm dying for that. So there's two ways to look at it, but I want you to look at it as the great sacrifice. Jesus loved me so much, though he was personally innocent and perfect, that he died for me. So, so, so looking at the trials, and we'll look at the crucifixion next week, but looking at the trials, what can we learn from this? And I want to share with you three things. First of all, I want you all to act as the judge and jury and make your choice. Not whether Jesus was innocent or guilty. That, that, that part is clear. He was personally innocent. But I want you to make your choice about whether you really believe he is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Son of God or not. I've just been in the book of Luke presenting evidence. And I've been doing that for a year and a half. Really what it comes down to is, what do you say? You put yourself in Pilate's situation. You put yourself in the Jews' situation. You put yourself in Herod's situation. What do you say? The Jews said no. Not all of them, but the Jewish leaders, the council, the Sanhedrin said no. This man is not the Christ. This man is not the Messiah. This man is definitely not the Son of God. The crowd said no. Crucify him. Kill him. Probably many of them didn't even know why they were there or what they were yelling about and didn't, didn't know the evidence, but they just kind of went along with the crowd. That's what the crowd is saying. That's what I say. Pilate. A little more complicated viewpoint from Pilate. I think he's a good man. He's definitely not guilty of crimes. But I'm not going to stand up on his behalf. And he caved to pressure. No evidence that he ever believed Jesus was a Messiah. It more or less appears like he didn't really care. That's a Jewish thing. We'll let them argue about it. But he's not innocent and I should say so and I did say so and I did say so and I did say so. But I'm just going to back away. Whatever will happen, will happen. That was their judgment. You and I have to decide what's ours. The disciples who don't really fit into this part of the story, but we'll see them, saw them last week, and we'll see some of them again next week. They were imperfect men. But they believed that Jesus was and is the Son of God. That was their verdict. Me, another imperfect man, the one who believed that Jesus really is the Christ, the Messiah, and the Son of God. But what do you think? You've got to make your decision. And you've got to be clear on it. Leaving no room for doubt. Not kind of playing against the two sides like Pilate not coming down hard against Jesus like Herod and the Jews. Make your choice. And if you're still unsure, go back and look at the evidence. This is too important of an issue 
to just kind of go along with the crowd or go along with your family or go along with what even what Pastor Jack says. You've got to decide for yourself. So go back and read the Gospel of Luke. Read the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read the Gospel of Matthew. With honest, interested eyes. Is he who he claims to be? And that's a choice that everybody's got to make for themselves. So make your choice. And don't wait forever. None of us know how much time we have. I mean, I know because I'm a pastor, I see this more than you do. But I've had two funerals in the last week, four funerals in the last two weeks. The one I had Friday was one of the toughest funerals I've ever done. It was a 15-year-old gunshot victim. He had his whole life ahead of him, or, or so he thought. That's at least the fifth teenage gunshot victim in which we've held the funeral here since I've been the pastor. The fifth one. Some of the other funerals I'd done had lived long lives. Some were much younger than me. I mean, we don't know. We've got no promise. And, and I don't know if I'm trying to scare you. I think I'm just trying to tell you the truth. We don't know how much time we have. And so we need to make the choice before then. Because I know a lot of people who, yeah, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. And yeah, I kind of halfway sort of, I'm not sure. There comes a time when you've got to nail it down. Pilate was forced to. The Jews were forced to. Herod was forced to. The crowd was forced to. And I'm telling you, you've got to make up your mind. So one of the things we can learn from this is we're all the judge and jury when it comes to Jesus. We've got to decide what we believe for ourselves. And I'm challenging you, if you're going to believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, then go for it all the way. 100%. Number two, I want you to see something from, from the example of Jesus. And I want you to live this way. Jesus did right. And he accepted the consequences. He could have talked his way out of this. He could have compromised. He could have fudged on the truth. But we're called upon to follow the example of Jesus. Do what's right and be willing to pay the consequences even when they're incredibly painful in the short term. Because what Jesus did was incredibly painful in the short term. I can't imagine allowing someone to nail through my hands when I had the power to stop them. Jesus willingly did that. He paid the consequences for doing right in the short term. And it was glorious in the long term. All of us can have a relationship with God. So what I'm telling us is we need to learn to follow his example. Choose Jesus even if others disagree. Speak the truth always even if a lie is more convenient. Love people, all people, every time even if you think you can find a reason to hate. If there are negative consequences to doing right, 
Don't let it bother you. We're following the example of Jesus. And you will be blessed in the long term for doing what's right, even if the short term brings pain and trouble. That's how Jesus lived. That's how he called us to live. Number three, and it's really the flip side of number two, do wrong, and ultimately the consequences will catch up to you. It may look good in the short term, but doing wrong is always destructive in the long term. Let me give you some examples from this passage. The Jews clearly did wrong. They rejected Jesus. They riled up a crowd, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And they won in the short term and got what they want. They shut Jesus up. But 40 years later, almost to the day, Jerusalem was totally and completely destroyed. And the nation of Israel ceased to exist for almost 1,900 years. They did wrong. They thought they won. They really lost. Pilate, we're not 100% sure that we can give all the details of the rest of his life, but the evidence is that some years later, Pilate committed suicide. As far as we know, never having become a believer. Herod, growing power, son of Herod the Great was exiled and died a bitter man in exile. You see, you can win in the short term by doing wrong. But you don't win in the long run, and you definitely don't win eternally. So I'm being as straight as I know how to be with you. There comes a time in which every person needs to make their choice. Is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Did he die for your sins? Did he rise again, arise again on the third day? Is he alive and calling you to believe in him? If so, believe in him and go all the way. It's easy to just walk out of church and say, I'll do it later. It's easy to say, well, I'm not really sure this is just religious stuff. And I don't know where I stand. I'm just telling you to make your choice and go all the way. Follow Jesus, not partly, not occasionally coming to church, but all the way. He is the Son of God. He died for me. I will follow Him. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.